Smith-Schuster's not going to be back in 2021. And I get why that's a really big deal, but I also get why it's not. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates. The NFL's free agency season opens March 17. And between now and then, you're going to hear a lot of back and forth and see a lot of back and forth regarding Juju on social because that's just how it goes with him. He's going to be involved himself. He's going to tell one person that he'd love to spend his entire career in Pittsburgh, or as he put it himself, this is where he'd like to leave his legacy. A little bit too strong of a word, in my opinion, of someone of his fairly modest NFL achievements to date. And then you're also going to see about how he deserves to get paid, and you're going to see him romance this team or that team or this group of fans or that group of fans, and none of it's going to mean a thing. None of it's going to mean a thing. All that's going to be relevant in this equation is that the Steelers lack A, cap space to sign him, B, will to sign him. And I think that part is the one that's getting left out of the equation here. Everybody's talking about the Juju situation as if, oh, if only they had the cap space, if only they had the money. Well, now that Ben's freed up the money, now they can go and sign Juju. Um, No. First of all, by all projections from the people who are passionate about analyzing that sort of thing, we're probably talking about a contract in the range of five years and $80 million. That's not an exaggeration. And if there's a team out there that really gets enamored by the name or the brand for whatever reason, and that does happen in professional sports, you might see them try to outshoot the other. You might see them try to top that. You might see them try to make a, a public impact a splash impact with the signing. And if that sounds like I'm talking about the New York Jets, sure, go nuts. Sam Darnold can have Juju to throw to, and they can still go 1-15 or 1-16. That's way out of the Steelers' price range for anyone in their current fold to try to keep, other than, if you ask me, Bud Dupree. And even then, we're looking at a situation where Kevin Colbert has stated openly that the team can't afford to put a franchise tag on somebody, which was his way of saying they can't afford Bud at all. And if there was a a list that we could secretly obtain somehow from the Steelers as to what their top internal free agent priorities are, believe me, Juju's not in the top three maybe not in the top four. So start with money, because that's usually where this stuff starts and ends. But beyond that, there's been strong indications within the recent statements made by Colbert and before him, Art Rooney, 
that Matt Canada is not just going to be a figurehead offensive coordinator. They've talked about wanting to acquire certain types of players that fit the Matt Canada offense. They haven't been specific about what that is, and of course that wouldn't help them if they were because it could hurt them, for example, in the draft. It could hurt them in free agency. Better to keep that to themselves for now. But if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, if you're the Steelers, you're talking about adding to the running game. And not in the sense that, well, they were 32nd last year. Let's see if we can get them up to, like, I don't know, the top 20 or something just by blocking better and by getting a running back out of the draft. I don't think that's what this is about. If you remember going back to last summer, what Canada was supposed to introduce to the offense and did for a while, or was allowed to for a while, was all kinds of motions and trickery and jet sweeps and left-right and and opening up holes in part by being clever and by being deceptive for all running backs and or wide receivers to hit on the ground. That stuck for, what, what would you say, a month, six weeks at the most? It was gone by the season's midpoint. Why it was gone, I don't think we'll ever know. My guess is that Ben just decided at one point that he was going to run the offense this way. Randy Feetner wasn't in a position to either overrule him or Feetner agreed with it. And Mike Tomlin just let it all go. Again, I'm speculating here. We'd have no way of knowing. What we do know is what we see with our own eyes, and that's that it was gone. And now what we know, or at least we hear, is that they want Matt Canada to run this offense and to run it his way. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our new partners at Fubo TV. If you're paying around 200 bucks a month for cable, as most of us do, Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels with an emphasis on sports, and now including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, meaning you can watch all the Penguins games, all the Pirates games, and you've basically lost all your excuses to hang on to cable. For our listeners only, go to FuboTV.com DK to get 15% off your first month. One more time, FuboTV.com DK, 15% off your first month. If you're running the Steelers offense the Matt Canada way, you're not doing it through quick slants and dinks and dunks in which Ben gets rid of the ball in 2.7 seconds, which, by the way, led the NFL in 2020. Read into that what you want. You're doing it by moving humans, by keeping the defense guessing, by keeping the coordinators guessing, by adjusting to what they're giving to you on a regular basis, even series by series, not just week to week. We did see Matt Canada do that with Pitt when he was here. I'm always really, really reluctant to compare anything college to pros. There's so many additional layers of the professional game, not to mention it's it's being played out by professional players. But 
tendencies are tendencies, and we saw what he likes to do. He, he likes to keep you off balance. He emphasizes speed and the ability uh, not just to hit holes but to create holes through players who are fast. Remember that the biggest knock on Juju, you know, back to his college time and even into the combine and the reason he lasted into the second round was his straight-ahead speed. And let's also note that out of all of the Steelers' wide receivers over the last three years, he's had the lowest degree of separation, and that's actually an official stat now, meaning the amount of room that he creates between himself and the person covering him. So he's not the fastest guy. I think we kind of had the impression that he was some sort of burner because in his rookie year he pulled away from guys on some of those big play touchdowns, short throws, big yardage. You know which ones I'm talking about, Denver, Cleveland. But he's never been that fast or that quick, twitch quick, you know. Deontay Johnson fits with that. Chase Claypool, as big as he is, and he's probably going to grow even bigger, meaning thicker as he matures, has a lot of that. James Washington, maybe not as much, but Washington's going to be a different type of receiver anyway if and when he gets good and gets a chance. He's going to be more of a deep ball, go jump up and get it, fight for it, win it, create some splash deep. Uh, that's that's your receiving core. That's a receiving core that Matt Canada can live with, those three guys. That's not to say that he couldn't find some way to script Juju into it if Juju was here or whatever. I'm not being silly about this. But those three guys fit with what Canada wants to do. And if you take that and the overall cap situation and the salary demand and everything else that will come into play here, Juju makes absolutely no sense. No sense. I happen to feel that Eric Ebron doesn't either, but at some point I could see where the Steelers and Ben would want to have a, hey, hang on a second, you're taking away my not two favorite targets because Deontay was his most targeted guy, but two of my favorite targets – and you're leaving me with, you know, nothing. What, what did I give up all this money for? So I think you're going to see some uh, give and take between the team and the quarterback. But not where Juju's concerned. He just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up to keep him in a Steelers uniform. I'm not bringing this up because of any of the TikTok dancing on a logo, you know, any of that stuff. That's that's always of minimal interest to me, that kind of thing. If it affects your play on the field, as it did at times with Antonio Brown and others, um, that's a different story. If I thought that Juju fumbled the football in a couple of big situations over the last couple of years because he was fantasizing about his next Instagram post, I'd, you know, I'd really blasted for it. I just don't care. I'm surprised that as many people do, uh, even though they say that they don't, which is additionally weird. Juju Smith-Schuster is a, a good football player, a dedicated football player. He's not worth elite wide receiver money. And most important to this very specific situation 
he's not worth it to this offense that the Steelers are about to build, which will be based on the running game. Running back to be named later. When we come back, just one question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do that by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that contains this podcast and leave it right there in comments. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed for medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's Just One Question comes from Matt Hanford over in the UK, who asks if the 2021 season is, as it seems, the last dance for Ben, how do you think it might affect his strategy going into the final games of his career? Will it be a repeat of 2020, dink and dunk, protect his health, or do you think Ben will go full Brady and hurl the ball like he's never going to do it again? <laughs> and then Matt puts in parentheses, because he's not. Um, these are really good questions, Matt. I mean, unfortunately, there's only one person who can answer this, and it's not Matt Canada, and it's not Mike Tomlin. It's Ben. It's Ben. I could see... Where Ben would watch the Brady example from afar, watch how his friend, to this day, Bruce Arians, Ben and Bruce continue to be tight, always have been, always will be. I'm not guessing at that. Ben's told me that himself. I could see where Ben would watch from afar Bruce admonishing Brady You're going to do this offense my way, and here's why. Because we, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, can't go anywhere. We can't be successful at the top level unless we are throwing the ball downfield. I, Bruce Arians, believe that you, Tom Brady, can still do this. I believe that you don't need uh, all these Julian Edelman types running around for short yardage passes. I believe that you can get the ball downfield the way you used to in Foxborough when you had Randy Moss and other guys in that spirit. That's If I'm Matt Canada, that's what I'm doing. I am channeling Bruce Arians. Even as I'm telling Ben, look, we're going to keep defenses honest with the run. We saw, we learned the hard way in 2020, that we can't keep defenses away from the line of scrimmage if you don't throw downfield. There isn't a way around that. There isn't a let's get a a running game that is, you know, like Jim Brown from 1967 to just plow through them. It doesn't happen. If another team decides they want to stop your run game, they will unless you back them off the line of scrimmage. Ben tried different things in 2020 to back them off. 
They didn't work. Baltimore figured it out. Washington figured it out. And after that, the blueprint was out. And Ben didn't have any room to breathe. And the running game didn't have any room whatsoever to breathe. Until the second half of the Indianapolis game when Ben finally started slinging it. Now, Matt, I'll ask you, what motivated Ben to finally start slinging it in the second half of the Indianapolis game? Was it that he just got tired of seeing what the defenses were doing to him? Or was it something intangible in watching his draft classmate, Philip Rivers, doing that on the other team? That's all Rivers was doing. Rivers was going old-school San Diego gunslinging right down the field. And you'll recall in the first half threw a beautiful touchdown pass. Uh, One of the prettiest passes anyone made at Heinz Field all winter long. Absolutely loved watching it. I'll bet Ben didn't love watching it. And I'll bet Ben thought to himself, I can do that. Look, let's not pretend that uh, machismo isn't part of football. Let's not pretend that Ben wouldn't get motivated by seeing Rivers do that. Or, on an infinitely larger scale, seeing Brady do what he did. There were doubts all over the place, very vocally expressed throughout the football world, that Brady would work with Bruce because Bruce throws the ball downfield. This is going to take some doing. I don't mean to make this all sound as if it's going to be, hey, Ben, just toughen up and go do this. No, he's got to see that his offensive line can hold their blocks for him. And this is going to be a mostly new group. So that's not going to be something that happens with a snap of a finger. Ben's got to see that this running game works. Ben's got to see that this Matt Canada system offers him other options that don't take away from who he is. This might take a while. It might take longer than what most people will be comfortable with. It might take longer than what the Steelers can afford in the standings. So I don't want to make this sound like Ben can just step back there and just start flinging it. How long did it take Tampa Bay to get that offense going? Really not until the halfway point of the season, if you think about it. Not everybody was assuming that the Buccaneers would even make the playoffs. But they kept their eyes on the prize. They kept focusing on what it would take to win a Super Bowl. And that, undoubtedly, in Bruce's mind, but eventually in everybody's mind down there, was going to involve throwing the ball deep. So we'll see. We'll see, Matt. I don't know. To me, that's going to be the the most interesting part of the 2021 season. More than whoever they get to address the running game, even if it's Najee Harris and everybody gets all wound up about having a star running back type back in Pittsburgh again and that sort of thing. It's going to be way more interesting to see if Ben throws the ball downfield again. Thanks for the question, Matt. As always, appreciate that. and Appreciate everybody listening to this program. We'll do another one tomorrow.
At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.